Let's turn for a little to the chapter we read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, and at verse 25. We find that at that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. We so often think of Jesus' ministry as a very gentle ministry, a very winsome ministry, one where he was constantly drawing people to himself and inviting people and dealing so caringly and so compassionately with people. And that is absolutely correct, because uh, that is uh, one of the great facts. You cannot read the gospel accounts of the life of the Lord without being struck with his overwhelming compassion and care and tenderness uh, for people, particularly those who were in trouble, those who were in need. And see the wonderful way that he would put himself out all the time, dealing with the sick and those who were outcasts. So uh, it is absolutely true to say that his ministry uh, was one of gentleness. But we must not overlook also that his, along with uh, his ministry, uh, we have to take in his teaching, because his teaching accompanied his ministry. And very often, although he had wonderful words, as we have at the end of this declaration that Jesus makes, where he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You cannot have a sweeter, more beautiful invitation than that. It is so wide in its embrace, so open, and it's just it's out there to everybody. Come to me, all, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so there were so many glorious and beautiful invitations given by the Lord Jesus Christ. But he also spent a lot of time warning. Because nobody in this world knew in any way just how awful it was to reject the Lord Jesus Christ like Jesus. Jesus knew as nobody else knew. And so that is why he spends so much time warning people. The invitation is beautiful, but to reject the invitation is serious. It's not like somebody walking by inviting you to come and join a particular political party. You'll often find, particularly in the cities, there are always wee stalls here and there. Last time I was in a city, uh, there were people handing out leaflets. There were, there were uh, people from various political parties and their little stalls they were handing out. There were, there were these. Uh, the people don't encroach on people's space the same way as they used to now. But there's just such a variety of thoughts today, and people are always saying, "Oh, you come with me, and you'll get this or that or the next thing." And so there are just such a a wide variety of of uh, <laughs> invitations coming along. But Jesus. Jesus is the only, he is the only one who is the way and the truth and the life. And Jesus knows the seriousness of being sidetracked, of, being, of going in any other direction but of following him. And Jesus here is heaping woes on these towns uh, and cities 
that had beheld his mighty works. We find this from verse 20. It's entitled here, Woe to the Unrepentant Cities. He began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they didn't repent. So you see, it's a very serious thing. As I was saying, you can be invited by this person, that person, to take this, to take that, and you can say, oh no, that's not for me. And there's no great consequences. You can, I'm sure when we're out we're, in the course of a year, we're handed a lot of literature by different people who mean well, and they say, well, this is what I believe in, this is what I support, I'd like you to support as well. And it's no great deal if you take it or leave it, because it's, it has no great consequences. But this has, this has incredible consequences, because this is, has eternal consequences. And that is why Jesus is saying, my life, my ministry, my works, my teaching, my everything here, has, it has repercussions for your life. Because what you do with what I have taught, what you do with my ministry, will affect you forever and ever and ever. And Jesus shows us that these cities that beheld his mighty works, these were where he did his, mo- mo- his great miracles, where he healed the sick, the lepers, the deaf, the dumb, the blind, the paralyzed, where he, made, where he fed the thousands from five loaves and two fish, where he walked on the water, where he did so miracul- many miraculous things, he even raised the dead. People had never, ever, ever seen anything like it. And these were also the people who had the scripture. These were people who were uh, built and taught up with the Old Testament scripture, telling about the Messiah, telling the sort of person he was going to be. And he was going to be someone who was going to be opening the eyes of the blind and restoring uh, the the hearing of the deaf. He was somebody who was going to be uh, doing exactly what he was doing. And yet they were so blinkered, they were so prejudiced that they refused to believe. And Jesus said to them, you are in big trouble. Because what you don't realize is that the more light you have, the greater the responsibility and the greater the accountability. And that is why Jesus said to them, it's going to be better for Tyre and for Sidon and even for Sodom in the day of judgment that it will be for you. Because he said, if these cities had the light that you have, they would have repented long ago. They didn't have the light. And as such, their judgment, it shows us very clearly that there will be levels uh, of, of judgment. Those who have much, will be, much of them will be required. Those who have had little, little of them will be required. And Jesus is showing that the most serious thing we can do is to have had the light, to know the truth, to then make a deliberate choice that we're not going to submit to the truth and turn our back upon the truth and reject Jesus. That is the ultimate, that is the ultimate sin. And that is why the, there's just so many warnings in Scripture about it. And that's what, what makes it so dangerous, particularly for people who sit under the gospel and yet continue to Push Jesus away. It's the most serious thing that we can do. And that's one of the... I'm sure that the Lord Jesus would say the same thing 
over this island, an island that has had so many favors, gospel favors and gospel blessings, of Lewis and Harris in particular, where there has been periods, outbreaks of revival. And some of the older people here will remember these times of revival, where the influence of God's Spirit was so powerful and whole communities were affected, although not everybody in the community was converted, but the, the communities were affected by it. And yet, to see that, to know that, to know the truth, and yet to turn away from it. You think about every every funeral. So many people come into the church, into the seminary, and we do that in, all around the island. Every funeral, every the word of God is read at everyone. God's truth is read. And we we pray to God so that people hear this. Nobody can say at the end of the day, oh, I, ne- I never heard. The influence within our communities is such that people do know. And it's, it's quite, a, quite surprising how often, you, you just see it in, in, in the press, how often the Bible is quoted. People are often quoting out from the Bible. They're taking things from the Bible, putting it in to every People know far more than they let on. So that's why at the end of the day, we will be told you have no excuse. We will be just the same as Capernaum and uh, Bethsaida and all these places of great privilege because not everybody has had that opportunity. Not everybody has had the blessings that we have enjoyed. So it's a serious thing. And so the Lord is saying, this is what he's saying to us, that it is so serious to reject uh, this great salvation. And then uh, <clears throat> Jesus Uh, Then thanks the Father. And he says, at that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. And Jesus, of course, here is is recognizing his Father in heaven. And Jesus is recognizing that he is a son by eternal generation. Uh, Jesus is very aware of his own, he's aware of his own humanity and he's aware of his own divinity. Now, of course, it's a great mystery. And we know that the fact that the, the two natures in one person, uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, uh, that it's a mystery to us. And what the Bible says, that great is the mystery of godliness, Christ manifest in the flesh. But Jesus was always aware of who he was, of his own identity. And Jesus took human nature his his humanity was exactly like yours and mine, with the one exception that he was free of sin. The defilement of sin was not in him or found within him. That apart, he was completely human in that he experienced pain in the same way as you and I. He experienced exhaustion, We find that like on the boat. He was so tired. and The disciples were beside themselves with fear in the storm. And yet Jesus slept. And there were times. There are times he indicates to his weariness. To his tiredness. We hear of him talking of his thirst. Of his hunger. Of all the different things. So he was absolutely human. Same as you and I. But he was also divine. And he knew that. But as he was our mediator, as he was our 
representative in this world. He wasn't, his divine nature was giving merit to his human nature, but he wasn't acting on his divine nature. He was acting in absolute dependence upon the Holy Spirit. He had to be. In order to be our representative, to be one with us, everything he did was in dependence upon the Father and the ministry. He had the Holy Spirit without measure. Because if he had just gone through this world completely, as it were, resting on his divine nature, then he wouldn't be exactly like us. So it was like his divine nature was eclipsed, but his divine nature was giving merit to everything that he was doing for us and in our place. And so Jesus is recognizing that he is the eternal Son of God. And of course there's a a big difference between Jesus' relationship uh, to the Father and ours. Although we say our Father which art in heaven and Jesus says our (coughs) Father. Remember when Jesus was speaking to Mary Magdalene after he had risen from the dead and he said I ascend to my Father and to your Father. There is a difference and yet it's the same Father. Christ Jesus is a son by eternal generation. We become sons and daughters by adoption. The moment that we are born again, we are immediately brought into the family of God. And Jesus straight away says, remember how it tells us that he is not ashamed uh, to call them brethren. That's, That's a wonderful thing. You know, the moment that you're born again, and let us remember that the ex- our experience, we term conversion, where we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so many people, they cannot give an hour or a day or whatever, but all they know is that there has been a, a gradual, there has been an experience taking place in their heart where, they have, where they've been turned to God, where they've come to look to the Lord, where they've a growing trust in the Lord, where their eyes have been opened. They've come to see what they couldn't see before, to understand what they couldn't understand before. Their heart is drawn out to the Lord. And that is, that is from our point of view, we're able to say, you know, I've been, I've been converted. But of course, ultimately, it's God's work. And that it, we are born again in a moment. We are justified. And the moment that that takes place, where God's Spirit comes in to our heart to dwell, and where God's seed, as it were, is planted in our heart, we're adopted. We're justified, made just in God's sight. And that is why, if a person is saved, a person can be, <clears throat> supposing we, we talk of 11th hour conversions, or supposing we've heard the saying, from the stirrup to the ground, mercy sought, mercy found. A person can call to the Lord like that, and in a, in a moment, be born again. That's all it takes, just in a moment. And that moment that they're born again, that moment they're born again, they're born into the family of God. God adopts them. Now, mine. So that you're now, you're able to say, my father. You really mean, you can say it, but God says, yes, you're my sons and daughters. And Jesus Christ says, now you're family. We're all family together. It's the most wonderful thing. But then Jesus says something uh, 
that is baffling. Father, Lord of heaven and earth, I thank you, he says, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Now, at one level, it's, it's almost impossible for us to understand this, that Jesus is thanking the Father, that he has hidden these things from the wise and the understanding of the wise and prudent and revealed them to little children or to babes. And it's, it's kind of, it's strange, it's, it's mysterious, but you see, Jesus is so aware and so in tune with the will of the Father. Now, all of us by nature are blind to the things of God. They're all hidden to us until the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see. The God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. The scripture tells us that. So there's a double blinding. We're blinded by ourselves naturally. That's the way we're born where we don't see the things of God. And Satan will keep our minds from seeing the things of God. The Bible tells us that's how we are. It's only when God opens our eyes that we can see. And yet Jesus is saying, I thank thee, Father, that these things remain hidden. That these things are hidden from the wise and the understanding. Now, who are these wise and understanding? Well, those are the people who are wise and understanding in their own eyes. A warning that we have in Scripture, be not wise in your own eyes. Because our own wisdom, if you, the, the, the world's wisdom, will take us down the wrong road. The world's wisdom is already on the broad road. And the world's wisdom will lead us all the way down that broad road into destruction. And we've always got to remember that. And if we are simply remain wise in our own eyes... We are in going in the wrong direction. Be not wise in your own eyes, is what the word of God says. And that's what Jesus is saying, that the gospel has been hidden from those who are wise in their own eyes. And that is where you have found so many people today. People who trust in their own goodness, in their own morality. People who trust in themselves. People who say, I don't need this gospel. I don't, I don't need to go to church. Why do so many, few people go to church today? Because they don't see any need. Some people who, they may have differing reasons. But the majority of people say, well, I don't, it's, not, it's not for me. I've spoken to people and I've said to people, how about coming to church? It's not for me. It's all right, it's okay for others, but it, it's not for me. You know, it's one of the saddest things I hear, people saying that. Because that's somebody who's wise in their own eyes. They think, I don't need this. I'm all right. I can, I can deal with things in my own way. I don't need. And so this is what, what, what Jesus is, is here praying about. And of course, pride is the great obstacle in coming to faith in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, Faith uh, does come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But salvation is God's work because this is one thing that comes through in this. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding. In other words, you've left them, you've left them as they are 
These things are hidden. And unless you show them, Lord God, heaven of heaven and earth, they will remain hidden. But, this is what Jesus goes on to the, and you have revealed them to little children. Now we are to babes. Now we have to take, mean, that doesn't mean that every little baby that the Lord begins to reveal what has happened. Jesus is talking here in a, in a, at a different level. And he's saying that he's talking about people coming to accept the Lord as little babies. This is, this is what it is. Now the fear of the Lord, as we know, is the beginning of wisdom. A person will never come to Christ as long as they're all puffed up in themselves. As we said, as long as they're wise in their own eyes, dependent upon themselves, thinking there's something, they're not going to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're only going to go as little children. In the weakness, in the helplessness of little children. You look at a little baby, and a little baby can't do anything for himself or herself. Completely dependent upon parents or whoever is tending to them. They can't dress themselves, they can't feed themselves, they can't do, they can't clean themselves, they can't do anything. Absolutely helpless. And that is the way that we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, in our helplessness. And that is why, that is why the gospel of Jesus Christ is an offense to so many people. When you tell people, look, when you, in order to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't, there's nothing that you can bring. You can't, as it well, where come to the Lord and present before the Lord all the things that you are and all the things that you've done. And say to the Lord, right Lord, here I come and I want you to take me to heaven because I've had a good upbringing. I went to Sunday school. I was taught to read my Bible. I was taught to pray. I come to church. I put in the collection. I have done all these things. Lord, you have to accept me. The Lord said no. These are, good, um, these are good things. But I am not going to accept you because of these things. It's not, we have nothing that we can bring. Supposing we give our body to be burned. Supposing it doesn't matter what we do. There is only one thing that we can do. Is to come in our utter helplessness and say, Lord, without you I'm finished. I can't do anything myself. I have tried this and I've tried that. I've never got your peace yet. Lord, here I am. In my uselessness, in my brokenness, in my worthlessness, in my helplessness. Lord, will you save me? Yes, the Lord will say, I will. That's the only way to come. And that is the way we remain it's not that you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ like that and then all of a sudden you say, right, that's me, that's me sorted. I'm on my own now. No, we're not. It's the attitude of the babe all our lives. And in fact, it's more so as we go on. We're coming to see more and more of our unworthiness, of our own unfitness, and we say to ourselves, the older we get, I am less fit for entering the kingdom of heaven than I ever was. That's the way we so often feel. 
But as we know in the, in the kingdom, we, in order to grow up, we have to grow down. That's the way it is. And so this is, this, this is the, the way of the babe, in, in total dependence. And, you know, the thing is, is God will see to it that we have to come in total dependence. And God has to break us. Every person in here who's come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ has had to be broken one way or another. Your, your spirit has to be broken. Something has to be broken. And you know the funny thing, or it's not a funny thing, but what the Lord continues to break us right throughout life. And the more and more we find ourselves being broken by the Lord. And you know when, when something is, if you break a bone in your body, it's painful. Sometimes it doesn't heal properly. Sometimes you're left with a limp. Sometimes things are never quite the same again. And so it is spiritually. Because things happen in your life. Whether it's in your health or in your home or in your work or things. And you're saying to the Lord, Lord, what are you doing? The Lord is saying, I'm breaking you. Why are you breaking me? Because I want to make you more like myself. That's what he's doing. And the quicker we submit to his will, the better it is for us. Rather than to fight against it and resist, which, which we're liable to do, because that's the way we are. And life is full of things. If we could look back over our lives and say, what? And you know, you'll often come, you're like Jacob. There are times, remember the Lord put Jacob's hip out of joint. Jacob would never forget that. I would imagine that there was always a, a weakness in Jacob's hip from then on. Probably always walked with a limp after that. And you know, we walk, we walk spiritually with limps throughout this world because of what the Lord is doing in his breaking and molding and shaping us. And Jesus is thanking his Father because that's the way. It's not the way of the flesh. It's not the way of our wisdom. But it's a way of God's wisdom. This is a way that God sees is best to do it. And that's why we always say that, not, that, not we say, but the word says, that God's ways and our thoughts and our ways are as distant as the heaven is from the earth. And so we have to thank the Lord for what he, what he has done with us. And as we say, the Christian will feel like a babe all throughout uh, his or her life. And so Jesus then says, I'm not going to look at that. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. And let us always remember that God's, God takes glory out of everything that he does. And that may seem strange to us, but it's a fact. He does all things for his own glory. And you say it yourself. I don't understand that. I don't. But it's true. And we have, that's why we have to submit and say, Lord, I know that you know. And I know that somehow you're taking glory to your name through this. Help me, Lord, to submit before your gracious will. That was one of the things that Jesus did all the time. Because you've got to remember that God's will for Jesus as a son Humanly speaking, was awful. It was a fearful thing that he had to do. And Jesus was aware of it. This was God's will for him. 
And when you think about it, here's the Father sending his Son to be despised and rejected of men, to be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, in the end to be hung upon a cross and vilified and mocked and in his greatest anguish and pain on the cross, does the Father say, that's enough? No. The Father then pours down his wrath and his anger upon his bruised, battered son. That's God's way. That's God's will. And Jesus thanks the Father for that will. And that's why you and I have to learn to submit to God's will. Difficult and all though it is. Because God knows what is best for us. And so Jesus then says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. This is the only way of salvation. You know, so many people will say today, so many people today aren't interested in salvation. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in anything. Their philosophy is when you're dead, you're dead. We know know that that's absolutely ridiculous. It's incredible how when you go around this world, there are actually very, very, unless you go into communism and places like that where there is no God, in, in their thinking at all. But so many areas and so many right throughout history they have believed in an afterlife. Even when they haven't got the, the the Bible and when they haven't they're aware of they're always aware that there is a higher power. They're aware that death is not the end. You follow through history, world history, and you will see throughout the generations that has been the thought by and large of people. There are people who refuse to believe that. But the thing is, there are so many people who will tell you, as long as you're sincere, God will accept you. No, there is no other way but in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord our God, we pray to bless us today. We give thanks, Lord, for your word, that it is a gracious word, that it is a challenging word, That is an encouraging word. It's a rebuking word. It's a a word of exhortation. It's a word of invitation. And help us, Lord, always to be found in your word. Help us, Lord, to submit before your will. Help us, Lord, to be willing to accept you as Savior. Lord, help us in all the difficulties and the torments so often we experience in life and the things that We can't work out because sometimes we can think too much about things. Help us, Lord, to just come like little babies. Because so often, as we bring all our own uh, mental faculties to bear and think things through, and sometimes we can tie ourselves in knots. Help us, Lord, just like the little, little babies, just to come and to trust. And so we pray that you will bless us, that we might have teachable spirits, Go before us, take us to our home safely, and watch over us, forgiving us our sin in Jesus' name. Amen.